So I'm excited to introduce our missionary speakers this morning, Ingrid and Terrence. They're from the Philippines. Uh, they were working at World Mission Communications, which is the media center for the Church of the Nazarenes in the Asia-Pacific regions. And now they've been asked to assist the fastest growing field in the Asia-Pacific region, Southeast Asia, where the churches are blossoming and people from all different countries and cultures with limited and restricted access to the gospel are wanting to be ordained. So they're working to create and develop materials and strategy for the field's multi-campus college, Chapman International College. Can't wait to hear what they have to share with us this morning. Morning. Is this on? Sorry. Can you hear me all the way to the back? One of the things I like about uh, the United States is how you value what is really important. And what I, mean, what I mean to say is we don't often, we don't acknowledge and recognize enough our veterans and those who have served their country. And I've been wanting to do this, but I've been scared because I have a, an uncle that, who is a retired colonel of the military. And actually, I will not be here if God did not intervene and took me on a different path. I could be in the military also. My dad has also been in the military. But I am a soldier of God, and I'm very happy to, I'm happy to be there. But like what I said, I've been wanting to do this, and, and I think I would really grab this opportunity to ask our veterans and those who have and still are serving their country, if you would give me the honor, if you could stand for a moment. I, I am not a high-ranking high position. I shouldn't be doing this. My uncle, I will be in trouble if I do this. But I would just like to say thank you for your service. I don't know if your service and sacrifices will be worthy, but I don't know if my service to God is worthy of the sacrifices and services that you made. And I just want to say thank you because we, we are a country right now because of you guys. We are where we are because of you. We have not improved a lot. In the Philippines. Yeah, I'm talking about the Philippines. We're not improved a lot, but we are where we are as a country because of you guys. And personally, thank you very much for your sacrifices. You may be seated. Thank you. <laughs> you see what I meant when I got scared? When I got scared, you know, because I didn't. That was really scary, but I did it. Okay. Um, sorry, good morning. Can you guys hear me? Maybe I should test the mic. I've never used one of these things before, so. Um, last night, uh, we were watching the basketball game. Did anybody else watch it? Probably not. No, I wouldn't have watched it if it was up to me. <laughs> For me, I, I don't enjoy watching sports only once every four years in either the Olympics or the World Cup. <laughs> but uh, Terrence really loves watching basketball, and so we watched the Eastern Finals. Is that mm -hmm, correct? correct? See, this is how great I am at sports. And it seemed like every second lasted forever. <laughs> I don't know if people watch basketball, but it's like they stop the clock all the time. I'm used to soccer. I was going to say football. I'm used to soccer where the clock just keeps going, mm -hmm. even if you get hurt, you know, and then it's over. <laughs> but it was like, oh, my goodness, this game will not end. But it feels I feel that way when I was watching it last night. Um, it feels that way a lot with the waiting process. 
it feels like every second lasts forever. Even though it's like seven seconds, you're like, oh my gosh, this, this thing is lasting so long. Um, and I was, I know you guys, um, your, your pastors just um, went to a different ministry and right now you're having an interim and then you're going to have this waiting period again um, for a new pastor or pastors. And that seems like it's going to be so long. <laughs> and I've been there and um, I think like nobody loves the waiting process. And it, before we had Netflix and YouTube, we had to wait for our favorite television show to come on every week. There was no pause in weekly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was 7.30 p.m. every Tuesday, and that was the time where you would race home or you would race, I remember racing home from school, 4 p.m., that was when Sailor Moon came on. And <laughs> if I missed it, I was just upset for the whole week. Um, but yeah, waiting, waiting can be so discouraging. Waiting, especially waiting for God who doesn't give you always the encouraging words like, oh, don't worry, it will come, it will come. It's very silent most of the time in the waiting process. Uh, we were, um, this is very personal, but we'd like to share this to you. Uh, Ingrid and I were diagnosed with a serious infertility condition. To know more about that, you can talk to us later, which means that the chances of us having a baby is very, very low. <laughs> I mean, and uh, missionary, missionary insurance doesn't, really help in that area in our case so but we we tried vitamins we exercise diet several months and still no baby <laughs> um, for many for many nights we cried and struggled over the idea of not ever having a child you know and uh, but our god is a god of miracles and we strongly believe that we reached to a point of surrender and waited for god's timing in spite of that, the struggles and challenges of waiting did not go away. Well, two months ago, God performed a miracle in my wife's tummy. <laughs> yeah. And just two weeks ago, we found out that she's expecting, so Ingrid is seven weeks pregnant. <laughs> yeah. We really cried when we found out. <laughs> We're like, what the hell is this happening? And just to, I know this isn't really part, but we found out the week we started our deputation. <laughs> We're like, really? God's timing like is so not our timing. <laughs> um, before we came to Mountain Home, um, Terrence and I, we prayed. We really didn't know anybody in Northwest. Like, all we knew were the Zuegos, and I don't know if you guys know them. They were missionaries in the Philippines, and they were our professors. Well, Ma'am Ashling was my classmate, and Dr. Grant was his professor. Um, and so they encouraged us to come, and we came out of faith. <laughs> and we prayed the prayer that Moses prayed in Exodus chapter 33, which says, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us there. Mm -hmm. But we truly believe, especially hearing the worship this morning and talking to you guys before the service, we, we know that the Lord's Spirit is here this morning. Amen. And when we look at this church, I love to see all ages here. I really do. It's, it's a piece of heaven in my mind. And uh, we were talking to somebody before the service. We said, when's the last time we went to a church that was this intergenerational? Like, all of your ministries are intergenerational. And we're like, one, this one. <laughs> this is the only church we've seen that was so intergenerational. We love it. Thank you for um, your obedience to the Great Commission. Yes. And um, you have amazing leaders here with Pastor Debbie and 
Pastor Gao and Latara. Mm -hmm. um, when we started the deputation process of you know, going home to speak to the churches, uh, I was just praying, Lord, just give us 17 churches. <laughs> and I would be happy with it. Um, and we heard that two things happened. And I don't know how updated you are, mm -hmm. but the mission, the, the way missionaries are categorized changed. And so we were put into the category that's not WEF funded. We're not uh, funded by the World Evangelism Fund. We are put completely as sponsored. And then they gave us a whole bunch of, this is how much you need to raise. We're like, oh man. <laughs> We're like, God, we need more than 17 churches now. <laughs> and because the, uh, the system changed, a lot of districts weren't comfortable with having sponsored missionaries rather than global missionaries. They said, oh, we only accept global missionaries. So a lot of districts closed their doors to us mm -hmm. just when we really, really needed them. And so we were so nervous. And that's when the Zuegos came and they said, let us help you out. <laughs> Come to Idaho. We'll take care of you. And um, we came and God reminded us um, he was the one that was sending us. Yeah. And now we have over 40 churches and counting. And, we're like, and that happened within two months. Every single day we're having like emails. And we're like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. Yes. And it has really been a tremendous uh, journey of faith. And it's amazing to see God's plan unfold right before your eyes. You've just been overwhelmed. You are so far our fourth church. And God has been amazing. And like what Ingrid said, from those four churches who are the fourth, God is constantly reminding us that I am the one who is sending you to Southeast Asia. I got you. you know, and so we were thankful for the opportunity to be here. And I think it's just appropriate that before we proceed to sharing you what the stories that we have prepared for you, not made up, but actually stories that happened in the field. <laughs> just to clarify that, okay. But I think it's just appropriate that we, we lift up a prayer of praise to God and just welcome His presence this morning. Lord, we thank you, O God, for being here. Thank you for going ahead of us. And I remember our prayer last night. We said, Lord, if you're not going to go with us to Mountain Home, if your presence will not be there, Lord, put a, a hindering block. Lord, let Mountain Home email us and say, we don't need you. Go away. But you did not do that because you want us to be here. And we believe, Lord, that nothing is by accident. And we thank you, God, for your faithfulness to this church and your faithfulness to your servants. And Lord, we just want to glorify you and honor you with our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, we'll, our first story is how we met. Uh, do you like that? Do you want to know how we met? Because I'm not from the Philippines. He's actually like pure Filipino, and he, I just got him as a souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terrence and I met at a place called World Mission Communication. Um, and like Miss um, uh, Latara said, it's, it's the media center for the Church of the Nazarene in the Asia-Pacific region. We actually, up until like two years ago, we were the largest media center for the Church of the Nazarene. And we do a lot <laughs> in media. We do audiobooks, logos, videos, event coordinating, websites, photography. I mean, you name the kind of media, and we will figure out a way to do it. So Terrence was already working there because he was a student. Um, WMC is located in the campus of the seminary, so Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary, which we just call APNTS. 
because that's really a long word. <laughs> and so Terrence was a student there already, and he was studying Christian communications. Um, and he was, they asked him to be an intern there because he's studying communications. I on, the, I, on the other hand, came by accident. I was a missionary in Thailand, and uh, somebody saw me drawing, and they said, hey, you're really good. And then they took my drawing, and they sent it to his boss, and then his boss sent me to the Philippines for just one month just to see if I could work with the team. And I had no idea why I was going there. They just told me, by the way, you're going to the Philippines for a month. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, they brought me around, they showed me the campus, and I knew, I had no clue about the Philippines. All I knew where it was on the map, and that was about it, and like the one paragraph in the history books about World War II. And that was all I knew about it. And uh, they brought me to the chapel, because it was chapel that day, and everybody was dressed in what these things are called barongs. These are Filipino traditional clothes. And uh, the people were singing in Tagalog, and I was like, well, duh, this is a seminary in the Philippines. That's why everybody is dressed like this. This is normal, but it's not normal. <laughs> it was actually what we call Philippine Culture Day, because the seminary is international. There could be, I think, when we graduated, 16 different countries graduated with us. Um, and, uh, and so every month they celebrate a certain culture. So I just so happened to come with Philippine Culture Day, where this guy was leading it. And they, uh, the people who were showing me around, they brought me to the office, World Mission Communication Office. And they made this like, surprise welcome party for me. And they introduced me to everybody in the team. Like, this is Pinky, and this is Kenaz. And that was it. Like, I just knew their first name. I didn't know what anybody did. I still didn't know what WMC was. And then they made me sit down, eating a plate of mangoes that were already peeled, no fork. So I'm like, don't know how to eat it. So I'm like eating it with my hands. And then they all left me alone with the plate of mangoes. And then they slowly, everybody cooped back all around me. And of course, I have no idea why I'm here. And then they brought Terrence out. And they said, this is Terrence Mustania. He is a pastor, Nazarene pastor. He's getting his master's in communication. And single. He's single. How old are you, Ingrid? Oh, that's, that's very good. Terrence is the same age. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like we said, WMC does event coordinating. We like to say they, they coordinated our wedding from the very, very beginning. So they did, they really, they did our photography and videography and everything. Um, like Ms. Latara said, that we are going to be missionaries in the Southeast Asia field now. <laughs> um, we'll be helping with Chapman International College. Um, Southeast Asia, by the way, or we call it C, is the fastest growing field on the Asia-Pacific region, as what have been mentioned for the third time. Before, just to give you a little bit of background of what happened to Southeast Asia and why we are going there, um, before, um, five years ago, Southeast Asia only has a few dozen churches. But in the span of five years, they now have hundreds of churches from a few districts to now dozens of districts. It's been amazing, especially the, the, the story of the Bible school. The Bible school is called Southeast Asian Nazarene Bible College, but they strategically changed it to Chapman International College because in, there are countries in Southeast Asia that are not open to Christianity. So they actually changed their name, not because they hate the Church of the Nazarene, but it was a strategic change. 
Now, this Bible school five years ago closed down because they had no students. In a span of five years, they have 800 students. Yes. <laughs> and not only do they have 800 students in a span of five years, from one campus to now 49 satellite campuses all around Southeast Asia. Now, the weird thing is how did they do this in a span of five years? What was their growth plan strategy? Actually, um, it's not that new. Before coming to Southeast Asia, they told us all of these statistics, and me and Ingrid would say, like, that's not real. <laughs> they can't be true. So they took us there, they showed us, and you know what? It was real. The Lord is working at a tremendous pace in Southeast Asia. And their strategy is quite simple. If you are a Christian here right now, I want you to raise your hands if you're a Christian. Praise God. Okay, to, all, to everyone who raised their hand, there's going to be a three-hour class every Tuesday night on biblical interpretation. Everyone who raised their hands, you're not, no one is exempted. Once you come, we, once you are accepted into the church, we're all going to go through biblical interpretation. Not just Pastor Deb, not just Pastor Val, but all of you will be trained with biblical interpretation. We're going to go on for that for several weeks. Once we're done with biblical interpretation, we're going to party. No, we're not. <laughs> we're going to go study New Testament theology. And we're going to go through that for several weeks. Once we're done with that, we're going to go through Nazarene polity. Once we're done with that, we're going to study church and discipleship. And then we're going to study theology of worship and so on and so forth until you have been equipped with the right tools. If you, are, if you want to be ordained, you can be ordained because those are not just simple classes. They are all tied up in the Bible school. So if you want to be ordained, you can continue the course and finish the program. But also you have a choice to not be ordained. But this is what Southeast Asia is doing. This is what is happening right now. Fishermen, people who work in the office, even teenagers, they all receive the stools and they go to the fish market, they go to the market, they go to their offices and they preach the gospel, they share what they know. And just in a span of five years, boom, just massive church growth. And we have been given an opportunity to be a part of God's movement in Southeast Asia. The reason why um, the Southeast Asian people are so excited is because um, about 50% of Southeast Asia is illiterate. Um, most of school, public school in the United States is free, but that's not the case everywhere else in the world. Many times they have to, they go to school up until like sixth grade, eighth grade, and then either the family can't support them going to school anymore or they have to drop out to support the family and the farm and the market, their business. And so a lot of these people, um, they, they don't, they were denied education, free education. And suddenly Southeast Asia, the Nazarene church is giving them an education. And if you don't have something and you've always wanted it and it was never free, you always had to work for it, and suddenly somebody gives it to you, whew, you get so excited about it. And that's why they're going everywhere because suddenly they've got all of these tools to do discipleship. They know how to church plant. They know how to preach. The seven-year-old woman who's always been in the fish market her entire life, she knows how to preach. She's made her own church in Myanmar. And this is like a real true story. She's become ordained and um, even though she doesn't even know how to read. Can you imagine that? 
because that's why they've, they've asked Terence and I to come because we have a media background for working with the Media Center and we also have a theological background because we um, graduated from the seminary. Uh, so they've asked us, we need help figuring out how to make theological materials that you don't have to read. Can you contextualize, can you make theology into media so that people who have hard time reading in their language, they can understand it? Because we can translate, we can pay translators to translate the theology books, but if they can't read it, what's the point? We can't deny people the tools to make disciples just because they were denied the education. They, that was one thing they've asked us for the media. The second thing they've asked us to do is to help coordinate the 49 satellite campuses in the five countries that make up Southeast Asia. We will be living in Thailand. Thailand is the only country in Southeast Asia that is not hostile to Christians at all. Everywhere else, there is some hostility, either all of the country or part of the country. Um, that leads to number three, job description number three, is to learn Thai for organic church planting. And what is organic church planting? Well, it's not genetically modified church. <laughs> um, when I say organic church, I think of this thing in the Philippines. It's called a mobile car wash. And I know it sounds weird. <laughs> when, when you go to the mall in the Philippines, a man or woman is going to come up to you and they ask if you want a car wash. If you want one, all you do is pay them, and then you go inside and you come out and your car is washed. You don't give them your keys. You don't have to park it in a certain area. Exactly where you parked it, they're going to bring this little trolley, and they has everything they need, and they wash your car right there, and then they leave, and it's done. Very, it's also very, very cheap. <laughs> and that's, they're not, that's organic because they're going to where the people are. They're not waiting for people to come to their car wash. They're not like, you know, handing out flyers, you know, saying, come to our car wash. You know, they're coming to you and saying, do you need a car wash? We'll do it right here for you. That's organic. Organic church is starting a church where the people are, not in a church building, but it could be in a badminton court. It could be in the fish market. Um, we heard about a cowboy ranch in Arkansas that became a, a church. It could be at someone's house. Yeah, can you imagine that? Or in uh, the Philippines, we have a motocross, um, a church that's on a motocross track. track. Yeah. How many of you here are familiar with the sport badminton? Praise the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, see, I think you all know that badminton is really big in Asia. Racket games specifically. The only racket game that we cannot win is uh, lawn tennis because you still have Venus Williams and all those Americans. But yeah, but you, are, you guys are good. But racket games, badminton is big in Asia. And I used to be a former national athlete for the country. Uh, just to give you a heads up, because the following story, so that you will understand the next story that I'm going to share to you. But Ingrid mentioned to you our three job descriptions in Southeast Asia, and that is uh, creating content, uh, coordinating, and finally, what we are most excited about is organic church planting. Um, when I first attended our seminary in Manila, as a badminton player, you kind of get that out of me, uh, I looked for a badminton court. And praise be to God, there was a nearby one. And so I visited this badminton club. And after the first visit, I found myself coming back regularly. 
But I went to the badminton court not just to play and, you know, and to distress, but I went there with a purpose. And my prayer was very, very simple. I said, Lord, just give me one. I just need one. I just need one person. Every day that was my prayer, and as I continued to pray, um, it seems like the Lord was not listening to me. <laughs> That's how I felt initially. Months has passed, and I felt like there was no progress with my relationship with the people in that court. And so I got to a point where I said, I think it's time to move, you know, because that, that was how impatient I was. So I think it's time to move. So I was getting ready to sleep one evening. My phones, as I suddenly received a text message just before I went to sleep in the middle of the night. The text message said this. Hello, pastor. You don't know me, but I don't know you, but I know you. Sounds creepy, right? <laughs> it was creepy. But he said, but my name is Ivan. He said, I've seen you come to Aerodome Badminton Club, and I've seen you make friends. I've seen you play. A few moments ago, he said with that message, I tried to take away my life. But just as I was about to take the pills, I saw your face flashed in my mind. And he said, can we meet tonight? This was in the middle of the night, you guys. And I was very sleepy. But even if it was in the middle of the night, I felt my strength renewed. We met Ivan. And he was everything that I did not expect. Um, as I was sitting there in the coffee shop, a fancy car drove in. Very fancy car. He was driving a sports car. And he was dressed very nice. And when I said it was something that I did not expect, I was expecting, you know, a rugged, depressed-looking kind of person, but he looked like he had no problem. But he reached out his hand to me and he said, Hi, Pastor, my name is Ivan. It was an amazing experience because before coming to that cafe, I'd struggled to not go because not for a very deep reason, but just actually very selfish and simple, and that was I was very tired. But I felt the Lord speak to me that evening, saying, and, and the Lord was saying that, Terrence, go. I'll show you how it is done. I'll show you how I do. And literally, once we got there, and as we sat, I, never, I did not even speak a, speak a word. I felt the Holy Spirit working in Ivan's life. I never spoke a word. I just sat down and listened to him. And as he cried, there was a sudden release, uh, like just peace, just hovering over our heads. It was just amazing just to witness God work in this person's life. And I haven't even said a word, guys. I was just right there. I was just listening to him. That evening, I found out that Ivan was diagnosed with a severe condition. And I think all of you are aware of... Um, HIV. That day, Ivan found out that he was HIV positive, and the doctor told him that he only has three months to live. And that day was a very sad day for him because that day he was not in good terms with his parents, with his family. He had a big fight, so he cannot run to them and talk to them. His girlfriend was away because his girlfriend was studying to be a flight attendant. He was so desperate, so broken that he thought of doing what he was about to do. It was something that I really did not expect. I've never encountered that kind 
of experience. But praise be to God because he put the right words at the right time. And I said, I quoted just one simple scripture. I said, Ivan, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. I give to you Jesus Christ. And I can never forget the words that he said. He said, I want Jesus, Pastor, and I want him now. That evening, ladies and gentlemen, Ivan received the Lord as his personal Lord and Savior. But it did not stop there. Ivan and I created a bond, a friendship that was unbreakable. We were like brothers. Um, I walked with him. I journeyed with him. I discipled him. It was just, just a wonderful relationship and friendship. Two thousand fourteen of June, the doctor told Ivan that he has three months to live. The picture that you're looking at right now is March of two thousand fifteen. Are you getting the math? <laughs> this is him July of two thousand sixteen. Still alive. And finally this is him March twenty four. 2018, he was my groomsman in my wedding. And that is his girlfriend, Ingrid's bridesmaid. And it did not stop there. Remember my prayer, Lord, I just need one. From one person, one person changed a community. And we have people coming to know Christ, coming to know the message of hope. We have people being transformed to Ivan's life. Um, not only that uh, we have Ivan, um, but we also have something in our seminary we call Awesome Kids. Awesome Kids is the children of the professors and students that are in the seminary. And there's an event every year at the seminary called ISSF. ISSF stands for Interseminary Sports Fest. And that's when the seminaries around Metro Manila come together and compete. It's when seminaries come together and become not Christians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's for friendly competition. Yeah, and um, Terrence, because unbeknownst to most of the seminarians around the Metro Manila, he was like professional badminton player, so he was the reigning champion in badminton for five years in a row. And uh, during the last year he was playing, he was playing against this one guy from Bangladesh, and both of them were crazy good the entire all of the seminaries came to watch the final match um it was a mixed doubles because it was pretty much the boys playing against each other and their girl partners just going <laughs> not moving at all and the boys are just running around it was like a singles match with with uh, two mannequins <laughs> and the kids came down to watch it the awesome kids and they were just like oh my goodness i didn't think badminton could be this intense and so they they ask your parents, can we get badminton records? We want to play badminton. And they started playing it. And Terrence is like, you know what? I can coach these kids, you know, after work, because we work from 9 to 6. And so 6 to 7.30, he coached the kids after, after work, right after work. And um, uh, there, his goal was for them to play at the next ISSF. And that's what happened. After months of training these kids who came from literally – zero, zero uh, experience in badminton. ISSF that year, this year was, um, 
the seminaries, the other seminaries came to watch the kids play because they went up against professors and seminarians who were much older than them. I think the oldest kid we had was 12 years old, um, and the youngest one was eight, and they were able to keep up with the adults. It was crazy. Um, we didn't win. We weren't able to keep our crown as the champion, but um, they were so close. Terrence kept saying that these kids are giving me a heart attack. They would go up to all the way up to the edge, but then the pressure would get to them because they don't have the experience of pressure, and then the other team would catch up and beat them. It was that every single game. Um, and one of our kids, he's the, I think he was 11. His name was Spenden, and he, uh, he was the prodigy. He was the one that was so great. I think if Terrence and him were in doubles together, I mean, they would be undefeated. Um, he was the kid of two Indian PhD students. And while he was playing one of the games with one of the other kids, um, his mom came from her PhD class to watch her son play. And she spoke to me and she said, I never thought that missionaries could do something like this. She said, in India, missionaries, they are like the preacher, like a foreign preacher. They come and then they leave. And that's it. She said, I thought that's what missionaries were like. She said, I didn't think that they could work with children, you know, or, you know, play badminton like this and let them, she said, let them take over. You know, she said, this is, for me, this is discipleship. And she said, Spenden is asking me questions about missionaries, about what's missions, how can he start serving in the church, how he can serve overseas like us. And other parents have come up to us and said, thank you so much for investing in our kids. We never thought they could do something like this, you know, get into the level of adults. <laughs> and even though, you know, ISSF is over and we had to leave the Philippines, it really... It really breaks our hearts to leave people like Spenden and the other awesome kids and Ivan and his girlfriend, Joanne, which I was discipling. It, it's hard to leave a ministry that you started and that you, you're seeing grow. And just as you see like the fruit of it, God's like, okay, I need you somewhere else. <laughs> and I, I empathize with your pastors that left because there was a need in Mount Vernon and they had to leave to go there. And I feel like when God calls us, it's kind of like, like a plant. You know, like you take a plant and then you move it somewhere else. There's a hole, right, that's there. But we know that if God's calling you to fill the hole somewhere else, he's calling somebody else to fill the hole here. I don't know if my analogy makes sense. <laughs> but we know, we, we know that God is calling others to fill in the need that's left behind. And so we, we really want to take the time to thank you, Mountain Home, for doing what you're doing, even though you just lost your pastors. Mm -hmm. You still have a full bulletin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you still have already. You still got everything set. It's like you don't even need. <laughs> it's like you don't even need lead pastors because you guys are the pastors. You guys are building the kingdom of God in your communities, no matter what age they are. That's what I love about this church. And not for the glory of Mountain Home, for the glory of God. So um, we know that there, there's a need for the pastors, but you are the ones who are filling the need. We have been to some churches where 
they think their pastor is kind of like a king. Um, like you need his permission to do everything. You know, you can't start any ministry without his permission. Uh, or you have to, you look to him in the times of distress for the church and he has to make all the big decisions himself. And then when he leaves, it's like the country has been lost. But that's not the case here. I am so happy to see a church that knows that the pastor is in the king, that that role only belongs to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he has commissioned us that as we go, we make disciples. And now we encourage you to do more, to give more. And when I say give more, a lot of people think, oh, just money. But giving your resources, and resources doesn't just look like money. It looks like your time to be with each other, especially when someone's in the hospital or sick. It looks like your words of encouragement or affirmation in other people's lives. It looks like um, your presence, your service. Even your ideas are resources that you can give. When God called Moses with the burning bush, one of the questions he asked him was, what's in your hands? And what was Moses carrying? Well, he was a shepherd, so he was carrying a shepherd's staff. And God asked him, you know, put it down and let me transform it. I'll show you what I can do. And so when we ask questions like, what's in your hands? It means... What can you do? Are you a doctor? Are you a student? Are you a farmer? Whatever you have, you let God transform it. As we conclude this talk, I would like to share to you one more story of my childhood best friend. His name is Audrey. If you don't have a picture, we can't show it to you. Um, Audrey was very nice guy how i actually met him was i was being bullied in our school and this guy came up pushed the bully and fought for me and i said and you know have you ever had those moments where someone comes to your rescue and it's on slow motion and then you look at him wow <laughs> this guy's gonna be my best friend and you know and and we did and that i had that kind of moment with Aji. Um, we grew up together it was so much fun i don't know if you kids still do this but long time ago, we didn't have internet. We had to actually make hand signals to call each other to come out. You know, so, so Aji would like come st stand on my window and would like do certain claps, you know, like five claps. It means that's him. Or he would like blow his hand so they make sounds. It was so cool. Uh, but internet is cool also. I like it. Okay. But, but that's the kind of friendship I had with him. Um, but uh, growing up, uh, Aji had a very difficult life. Um, his dad was a taxi driver, but bef just before he, the dad comes home, he would go. Uh, he had a very terrible drinking habit, and so he would come home drunk and he would beat Audrey for no reason. Uh, we grew up together at some point, but we had to eventually separate. He stayed in our, my hometown, and I left for another city. But we stayed in contact. But Audrey was just amazing. I stayed in connection with him. And I've heard them struggle. Um, even if his dad treated him badly, he never spoke back to his dad. He never raised a fist. He never punched back, even if it was very painful already. He had that amount of respect for his father. That actually his father got a severe liver condition that he had to be bed rest. Audrey was the one who took care of him. Up to his last dying breath, he loved and served his father, who abused him. 
that's the kind of person he was. And I appreciate him. One evening, I received a text message from Oji. And he said he was asking if, if I had the time to talk to him. Now, I do not know what I was doing that time, but I can remember that I was selfish. So I told him, Oji, I don't have the time for you right now. Maybe some other time. Well, the next day I found out that Oji took away his life. Well, that experience changed me. And our God is a God of mercy and grace. Don't take lightly every opportunity you get with the people that you meet. As you wait for the next chapter of your lives as a church, take every opportunity to go out and share that message of hope with whoever you encounter, whenever and wherever. Whether you are in Denny's, whether you are in McDonald's, we believe that we met certain people not by accident. We meet people because God sends them to us. And it's only a matter of saying, yes, Lord, I will follow you and I will obey you. I will read this last scripture to you. And this has been our message. And we really strongly believe this. We see that you have a lot of things going on as a church. And this is amazing. You don't know how happy Ingrid and I to see churches strive. Because we both come come from a church who has really struggled. But out of that challenge, you know, they bloom. So we know how it feels to lose a pastor, you know, to struggle in ministry, to not kind of figure out your community. We kind of can empathize with that. But you guys are thriving. You guys are great. You have great leaders and Pastor Deb and Pastor Val. But we'd like to encourage you with the scripture. The context of the scripture is, um, of course, it's, it's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. And Paul was very, very happy with the Philippian church because they got a lot of things going on like you guys. Even Paul said later, and that's uh, just before the scripture that I'm going to read to you, that every time he remembers the Philippian church, there's this joy that leaps in his heart because you guys are doing what God wants you to do. You guys are doing awesome. And this is how we feel about you. But towards the end of the scripture, towards the end of this letter, Paul ends it with like this. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, I do not claim that I have already succeeded or have already become perfect. I keep striving to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has already won me to himself. Of course, my friends, I really do not think that I have already won it. The one thing I do, however, is to forget what is behind and do my best to reach what is ahead. So I run straight toward the goal in order to win the prize, which is God's call through Christ Jesus to the life above. God can use you no matter which phase you are in life. Leaders and fellow workers may transition away from us, but God's work still continues. You are the church. Not only do we challenge you, but we also invite you to join us in Southeast Asia. We will request you today to pray for us as we become your hands and feet in that corner of the world. Pray for us as we grab every opportunity we will have with whoever, whenever, 
wherever. And we'll be very honest. We have a baby coming. We have three job descriptions. There will be so many excuses to not talk to a person, to not answer a phone call, to not reply to a message. I'm telling you, we are human. And we will be tested and we will be challenged. That's why we ask you to pray for us, to put God's agenda ahead of our agenda. We mentioned, I don't know how, how deep you know Thailand, but if you go to Thailand, if you've been to Thailand, you know that when you, once you get into the country, you will see these magnificent temples. Golden, like not just painted gold, but real golden temples. Majestic, beautiful from the outside, but struggling in the inside. There is a lot of strongholds in Thailand. Our, the Church of the Nazarene was first planted in Thailand, but its surrounding countries is growing faster than Thailand itself. And we are going in there, and we're going to be meeting those strongholds. And we ask you to pray for us. It's overwhelming, but together we can tear down the strongholds, and we can further build the kingdom of God in Southeast Asia. And after African proverb says that if you want to go fast, you can go alone. But if you want to go far, you need to go together. Let us keep running the race that God has set before us. Let's continue to strive, grow, serve, and give. The journey is as important as the end. doesn't matter how we all started. What matters most is how we end this together. Let us pray. Lord, first of all, we want to thank you for your servants. And when we say servants, it's not just our honorable veterans, but also our pastors. Lord, and actually almost all of us here, Lord, we all have, we all, each of us have our own story of sacrifice. Lord, we don't get paid for what we do, but you have called us and you are blessing us. And so, Lord, our prayer right now is that you bless this church and you continue to bless this church. Lord, may they transform the community that is around them. And Lord, we ask for extra strength and anointings for Pastor Deb and Pastor Val. Lord, thank you for their service. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you will provide for this church. And Lord, as amazing as they are right now, we know, Lord, that this is not yet their final form. Lord, that there is yet more to be done. Lord, because you are a big God. You are an awesome God. And Lord, you can push further this church. And Lord, you are a God of life, a God of growth, a God of miracles. And Lord, two years from now, I don't know, Lord, if you'll come back here, but I know years from now, Lord, you will see a different church, a thriving church, a growing church. Lord, a better church. And Lord, this is what you constantly challenge us to do. So Lord, may we continue to obey you. May we remain faithful. And Lord, may we continue to fulfill the great commission that you have called us to do. We praise you for this time and we thank you for being with us and speaking and touching our hearts. We lift up all of these things to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. good to hear about what God is doing in the world, isn't it? Um, and Ingrid and Terrence, we're so thankful um, that we got to have you today, a little piece of the kingdom of God. Um, but as we sing our last song, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward again. Um, and we're going to take um, a special offering for Ingrid and Terrence. Um, and, and if you're unable to give financially, would you make a promise to pray for them and to pray for the work that they're going to be doing um, in Southeast Asia? Um, 
there's there's a lot ahead of you guys, um, including parenthood. Um, and we're so thrilled for you. And thank you for sharing that with us. And um, we celebrate with you. Um, but um, would you would you just give from a place of extravagant generosity? Um, let's show them who we are here at Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene. Um, but know that we're not just giving to Ingrid and Terrence, but we're giving to the kingdom of God. Um, and and we're, we're sending them to do that. So let's sing. Stand for our benediction and receive from the word of the Lord. Raise out your hands to receive. As we have gathered, we go, and now we scatter the presence of God. As we were reminded today out of Exodus 33, may God's presence go with you and give you rest in this time of waiting. Go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.